anything wrong in this situation. He took a pitch in the back. He got beamed for crying out loud. We used heart attack. Please. Managers on a major league baseball team don't make decisions. Credibility in this situation is worse than losing your job. Was it over with the Germans bomb castration of the major league baseball managers we know it ask me about my win one of the most intriguing days in the entire nfl a league that by the way goes 365 days a year is the monday after the last regular season football game of the year and a lot of fans get all fired up and excited about black monday because they get to see if their team didn't perform too well this year if their coach gets fired and You've heard my take on this before. I I believe that fans kind of live too much into their team to where they get some self-gratification by seeing somebody that, even at their worst, is working hard to do their job correctly. Number one, you look at what's happening in Houston, and it's setting a a terrible precedent. And I'm glad that there's, there's somebody out there that agrees with me, Tony Dungy said, you know, in fact, the same things that I've been stating, how, how are you going to give a coach one year to prove something? And back-to-back, one year and out head coaches. It's a terrible look for the Houston Texans. And Tony mentions that, hey, who would want to go there, knowing that you got one season to get it together or you're fired? And going back to what Lovey Smith inherited this past season with the Houston Texans, he, he took on the worst roster in the NFL. No defined quarterback situation. No star players. Remember, DeAndre Hopkins was long since traded. Um, just, uh, you know, a, not a very good draft position. And this team was expected to go from what? From as bad as it was last year to all of a sudden a contender? Yes, the AFC South was arguably the worst division in the entire NFL last year. And if you follow the Houston Texans week in and week out, they actually played hard for their coach. They played hard for their coach to a point where they ended up not having the worst record in the NFL, which, by the way, people that are knocking saying, hey, you should lose on purpose, really shouldn't be involved so much in football because football is a physical game. People's lives are in danger every day. Uh, I mean, all you have to do is just listen to the mainstream media who has jumped on the bandwagon of um, everybody supports Dan, uh, Damar Hamlin, and good good for him. I'm glad that he's out of the hospital. I'm glad that he's going to recover. Hopefully, at some point, he plays in the NFL again. But you know that backs the point of the sensitivity and the livelihood that these players go through. And at the same time, you're going to say for a team to quit, team to not try, team to not give every last bit of what they can. They went for a two-point conversion, and they won a game against an Indianapolis team that had quit for, for 12, 13 weeks because of their owner. So good for the Houston Texans. I give them uh, the entire coaching staff and the team credit for playing up until the last snap. Now, the team moves on from Lovey Smith. Did Lovey Smith get a legitimate chance? Of course he didn't. And it's going to go back. You know, you look at David Culley, who was a black head coach. Lovey Smith black head coach, both getting one season to a an organization that, by the way, has some racial undertones to it. You have to admit that. Bob McNair, you know, the, uh, the inmates running the prison statement and the Houston Texans and their stance when it came to the players kneeling for a national anthem. 
It doesn't look like they've endeared themselves to the African-American community. And to have back-to-back black coaches last just one season sends a terrible message. Now, does it mean that they have to hire black for their next head coach? I think that's an entire, entirely different discussion. But whoever the coach is, hopefully they get more than one year. Now, the other angle that I've, I've, I've pretty much um, seared through the, the sensitive bots that are out there is the fact that coaching in the NFL is should not be, to pick up off of what I just said, a one-year-and-out experiment. It, could not, it shouldn't be a two-year or three-year, and that's it. You know, you hear in, a, in the likes of New York with the Jets, with Robert Sala, maybe it's time for him to go. In, in some cases, it's proven that you don't have the right guy, and that's why you move on from the Nathaniel Hackett's. That's why you move on from Urban Meyer. You understand right off the bat that what's happening isn't working. Cliff Kingsbury's been in uh, Arizona with the Cardinals for a couple of years, and they're just feeling like it's time to move on. And in some cases, you do move on from your head coach. Same reason that they, that you look in other sports. It's not a lifetime contract at some point. How many different things are you going to examine with the same person uh, running the field operations? So all of that I'm able to ingest and digest and take as part of what's happening. But at the same time, you can't go every year and say, hey, my team didn't make the playoffs, it's time to fire the coach. You know, Mike Vrabel shouldn't be fired in Tennessee because the team didn't make the playoffs and they lost seven straight games to finish the season. Robert Sala shouldn't be fired with the New York football Jets because the team lost their last six games to finish out the season. Now, should there be adjustments maybe to the coaching staff, certainly to the personnel? And this is the part of it that kind of gets in in my, uh, kind of grinds my gears a little bit, is that there is very little accountability when it comes to the players that are out there on the football field. And the easiest thing for John Q. Fan to do is to blame the coach when the coach has to have the right players to implement his system. Robert Sala with the Jets did not have the appropriate quarterback with you know Matt LaFleur as the offensive coordinator to be able to have that type of offense that he wanted to. The quarterback was not getting the job done. And what, what are the Jets stuck with, with the number two overall pick being quarterback for the last couple of years? He's only in year two of his rookie contract. There's no way they could bail per se and cut him. Now, this it's different now. The offseason, the Jets are going to bring in a veteran, and obviously you hear Zach Wilson going out there saying that he's going to um, essentially brawl with whoever is brought in there to compete and replace him. Zach Wilson's got to get better. And, you know, it's it's tough to see. And you look at the Achilles Smiths and the Jamarcus Russells and the Tim Couches. And the whole list and lineage of, of first-round draft picks that have been quarterback bust in a National Football League. Ryan Leaf. You know, you think of the likes, of course, recently of Josh Rosen, who was essentially out of the league after being a number 10 overall pick by the Arizona Cardinals. You know, is Zach Wilson done? No. But he's got to improve. He's got to figure out what it is that over the last year has not worked. Because you could blame very few individuals for the performance of an entire team. But if you look at the Jets over the course of the last season, and if they had a more capable and suitable NFL quarterback, they probably don't lose their last six games. They likely slide into the playoffs in some way, shape, or form. So there's people that say, hey, it's the coach. No, it's, 
not not always the coach. And I think it, the coach is blamed a lot more in a lot more situations than than should be. And I, I have an issue with that. You know, number two, congratulations to Georgia winning a national championship, second in, in a row, first time, first team in a while to win back-to-back national championships. And they did it, of course, rather easily by beating TCU up. Uh, my question is going to be about Stetson Bennett. You look at C.J. Stroud, you look at Bryce Young, you look at a couple of the other quarterback draft prospects in the NFL, and it's going to be interesting to think about where Stetson Bennett is going to go in the draft. Because I think a team's going to take a chance on him. Is he a first-rounder? I don't think so. And you know, sometimes the first-round drafting of quarterbacks, and I may not be saying that correctly, but uh, I think I... I mean, I hope you get the gist of, of where I'm going with this. Drafting a quarterback in the first round you know, certainly a supplier-demand thing. I don't look at a ton of teams in the NFL that are saying, hey, I need a quarterback. The Houston Texans need a quarterback. There may be a couple other teams that could use a quarterback, but I don't, I don't see the same necessity that has been out there the last three or four years. There's enough talent in the NFL to quarterback 32 NFL teams. I brought out the possibility of Tyrod Taylor. Maybe getting a chance to play in Week 18 for the the Giants, maybe performing well, and maybe setting himself up to be in a, a mix to be somebody starter next year. Yeah, you, know, you look at the San Francisco 49ers situation. Are you going to put Brock Purdy on the number number three on your depth chart next year if you're the San Francisco 49ers? He's obviously earned the opportunity to start. So, what does that mean for Trey Lance? What does that mean for Jimmy Garoppolo? There's going to be quality. Uh, proven NFL quarterbacks in Garoppolo's cases, and obviously Lance. Uh, you, know, you look at Lance, you look at Zach Wilson, and even look at Baker Mayfield as far as their potential, right? What we've seen in the past to think that these quarterbacks are going to be pretty good. Obviously, you look at uh, Lamar Jackson and his trip potentially through free agency. Has he played his last game for the Ravens? And, you know, maybe, maybe he's making sure he's 100% for that next team that signs him if the Baltimore Ravens aren't going to bring him in. Derek Carr is leaving uh, Las Vegas with the Raiders. I don't see a ton of need for a starting quarterback in the NFL, but it doesn't mean teams aren't going to take chances. It doesn't mean teams are going to say, hey, you know, maybe we should drop draft this guy. I mean, all you got to do is look at Brock Purdy this past year, last pick in the NFL draft, and he may very well be a quality starter, starting quarterback in the NFL. We don't know. I mean, it's he's, he's performed well in the opportunity he has. He's got the benefit of a good offensive line, a good offense in San Francisco, a good offensive-minded head coach in Kyle Shanahan. So maybe all these things are working for him, but he certainly uh, outkicked his coverage in regards to what he was expected to do in the NFL considering the position he was drafted. So you, you bet that teams are going to look at Stetson Bennett and say, Right. Where, where can we take him and maybe store him and maybe try to come up with the right time to uh, to implement him and maybe he becomes a star quarterback in the NFL. So I'm going to uh, kill the show today with two, two baseball points. Number one is a piggyback off of my Trevor Bauer uh, discussion from the last show. Trevor Bauer is going to sign with somebody. And for, for those out there, listen, it's not this isn't an endorsement of domestic violence. This isn't a, a statement to say that you know these you know these people and Trevor Bauer certainly has the distinction of being considered these people when it comes to domestic violent offenders. Uh, 
should not be respected. They should not be uh, cheered. They should not be uh, applauded. They should not be um, enabled, perhaps. But they have the right to work because Trevor Bauer isn't serving time in prison right now. Trevor Bauer is not convicted of a crime. And Trevor Bauer, in regards to baseball's agreement when it comes to domestic violence, has already served the, law, the largest and longest suspension in the history of Major League Baseball for domestic violence. So that's over. His team, the Dodgers, has decided to keep themselves on the hook for $22.5 million. He's a free agent. He has a right to sign with any team for the league minimum. And I believe he deserves that right. And I was looking at, all right, well, where are you going to do it to say it's going to be the least distraction? I stand by the statement. I don't believe that there's any team that he could sign with that um, is going to be kept from playing a game. In other words, the mob, the crowd, the protest for Trevor Bauer being on the field and pitching for their respective Major League Baseball team is not going to keep uh, a team from moving on. You're not going to sign Trevor Bauer, hear the backlash, and then cut him because you can't stand the backlash. That backlash, with all due respect to you, who may want to be part of the backlash, is not going to be strong enough to get Trevor Bauer cut. So he's going to sign with somebody. My suggestion, Tampa Bay Rays. And this isn't a knock on a Tampa Bay Rays and their fan situation, but let's be serious. There's not a ton of people going to Tropicana Field. For a good baseball team, a team that ha- that has been very frugal in a way that has handled himself itself financially, they keep a low payroll, but they have a ton of talent in there. There's a connection, you know. Cloy, uh, you know, you look at the uh, respect that's sat within that rotation with Glass now and McClanahan. Then you need a veteran, and Trevor Bauer, I think, would be a perfect fit if you're looking for somebody to for one season go out there and dominate maybe without the media attention maybe without the uh negativity coming from the fans yes there's going to be some fans that are pissed off but like i said nobody's knocking a door down at tropicana field to get in the stadium they're not drawing to begin with it's not going to be the difference between them drawing a lot of fans and not drawing a lot of fans in fact it's the reason the fact that there's no fans nobody goes and supports that team in tampa is the reason that they have to go about things from a business standpoint that they do. Low payrolls, stuff like that. 720K for Trevor Bauer for one year. Let him go out there and dominate. And then once again, he hits free agency. All of a sudden, it's a different scenario. It's not uh, the bad person. All of a sudden, he's looked in, in the same categories of Raldis Chapman and Domingo Herman and Jose Reyes and you know Odubel Herrera, Marzell Ozuna. What do they all have in common? They're all domestic violence offenders that were welcomed back into Major League Baseball and were still allowed to have active playing careers. The same, I believe, should be true for Trevor Bauer. Finally, you know, Carlos Correa, it looks like this saga is about to come to an end. Perhaps there's a decision today. Perhaps by the time I do a show tomorrow morning, Carlos Correa is going to be playing for his next team. Is he going to complete his contract and become official with the New York Mets or have the Minnesota Twins swooped in and agree to a deal? We're going to find that out. You know, you're going to have many different sources. I'd suggest, I mean, I know you'll want the answer, but, you know, Twitter, social media, it's going to kind of send you in different directions and also not necessarily with the best and most consistent and trusted information. 
But I was looking at this from two angles. Obviously, you know, I'm a Mets fan. Would love to have Carlos Correa on the Mets. Um, I haven't had any reservations come my way since uh, the, you know, the patella injury, you know, the, the broken leg in 2014 and the fact that, you know, he's not passing the physical because of it. That hasn't changed my view. Still want the player. Still would take him for that 11-year, $315 million contract as a fan. But then I look at what's best for baseball, and I have believed in parity, and I believe in parity almost through my heart of heartness of being a New York Mets baseball fan, and I think it might be good for baseball for Carlos Correa to sign with the Twins. You know, they haven't they haven't dished out a contract like that. If it's in a two hundred eighty something million in regards for guarantee, it's a it's a place that they've never gone before. Joe Mowers, their their biggest contract, which, you know, that was one of the best players they've ever had. And if the expectation is that Correa is going to be that next Kirby Puckett, the next Joe Mauer, then I think that would be great for the Minnesota Twins and for baseball. Now, does that put Minnesota over the hump? No, but it makes them more competitive. I think they're at a point where they were expecting to not bring back Correa after he played there for one season, signed a three-year, $105 million contract with an opt-out after the first season, which he was expected to exercise. Correa to the Twins is good for baseball. Now, do I want that to happen as a Mets fan? Listen, every fan out there has their own biasness. So I have a dog in the fight here. But at the same time, after getting over the initial frustration of Correa going elsewhere after... That shocking morning, that Wednesday morning, 3.14, tweet by John Heyman saying that Carlos Correa is going for the Mets. A day after his press conference where he's scheduled to be introduced as a San Francisco Giant. Other shows in the past will say, hey, it's par for the course as a Mets fan. You learn to prepare for the worst and then be shocked. And in a euphoric stage like you were when the announcement was made that Correa was going to the Mets. Maybe you have that again. If not, I still think it's good for baseball that he, he plays for the Minnesota Twins. Parity. I want to see that in baseball. I hate the fact that there's the Pirates and the Athletics and teams that just legitimately are not competing when it comes to Major League Baseball. You don't have that problem in the NFL. The Houston Texans, as bad as they were last year, fought every game. They were in the mix for every game. And you look up until the end where they fought till the last play. You don't see that in baseball. That's why I root for parity. This is the Past Ball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com, by St. Aloysius Church in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck, located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. I'm going to give you my word. I'm going to do a show tomorrow morning. We'll see if it's uh, any sort of recap on Carlos Correa and where he ends up. But we'll talk about everything going on in the world of sports and sports history. You can obviously follow the Past Ball Show on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, any way you get your podcast. God bless you, and as always, I'll see you on the other side. Chris Bryant was on the Chicago Cubs roster opening day. I have many leather-bound books. My apartment smells of rich mahogany. Why don't you give it all or a majority of it to the team that wins the friggin' World Series? I was going to listen to that, but then I just carried on in my life. I may come out as the biggest... Major League Baseball manager apologist. That'll only make someone work just hard enough not to get fired. Because hitters are going out there saying, I'm either going to hit a home run 
or I'm going to strike out. And if I don't get a pitch that I feel like I could drive out of the park, I'm not even supposed to be here today. Especially prospect whores and hoarders are going to be a little pissed off at me when I say this. I'm a dude who plays a dude disguises another dude. There are only two managers in baseball's Hall of Fame who have losing records. One of them is the iconic Connie Mack, who you could say, in spite of winning five World Series championships as a manager, could be in as much as a pioneer. And what side of the spectrum they're on? Were they pitching? Were they batting? If your favorite team was pitching and a ball got inside to hit a batter, there's no way it could have been on purpose. But if you were a fan of the team that was batting and a ball got inside and hit somebody or went behind somebody's head, absolutely 100%, unequivocally, that pitcher was throwing at they put their tail between their legs and decided they're going to do exactly what they're told. You damn well right better give him a contract extension. You damn well right better make him the manager over the next series of years. 35 years ago, I could have loaned your parents the money for an abortion. 